Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be diving into episodes 308 through 310, which will cover manga chapters 425 through 428. And yeah, we're back from our short little detour and back into the main story. Sorry, my voice is kind of gone at this moment because just a couple days ago, I was at a Seattle Mariners game where they finally clinched their first playoff berth in 21 years. And yeah, I mean, I've dropped some hints uh, in some past episodes, but I am a huge Seattle Mariners baseball fan. And so this was a very special uh, moment for for me personally. And so I went pretty nuts cheering uh, at that game. So apologies. So my voice is definitely still (laughs) trying to recover from that. Um, But yeah, bear with me. Anyways, on to this episode. So yeah, let's get into the final stretch of the NES lobby where the final showdown between Luffy and Luchi will be decided while everyone fights tooth and nail to survive as they wait the conclusion of the duel. And yeah, these these episodes are amazing and one of the best stretches in all of One Piece, to be honest. Like I love especially to the the two latter half episodes um 309 and 310 they're just amazing and it it's really it's really incredible how between this and also the several episodes afterwards that we'll be watching uh on the next podcast how these like stretch of four to five episodes are just absolutely incredible in terms of emotion and not just like the the emotional levels but just what kinds of emotions you feel. You're just all over the place, to be honest. But anyways, let's get on to the synopsis for this set of episodes. And uh, yeah, Luffy is prepared to give it his remaining all to defeat Luchi and reunite with his crew before time's run time runs out as the Buster Call closes in on all of them. However, can they even escape the Buster Call even if Luffy comes out victorious? All right, so differences... Yeah, so mainly the differences is more so not not so much the changes, but more so how they added a bunch of stuff to extend time so that they could fill these episodes, particularly with the um, the the fighting between the Straw Hats and the Marines once the Buster Call closes in on them. So yeah, the Marine attack is extended by quite a bit. In fact, really. The a lot of the fighting portion only takes up about maybe three pages worth in the manga, and really the only canon parts are when Zoro's Yubashiri gets arrested, uh, Frankie hits the the Betty Betty guy, and he you know breaks apart into all the little balls, um, and then the final Usopp encounter where he's sort of just firing at those three guys, just kind of teleporting all over the place, and he's unable to hit them, as well as Nami. Uh, hitting a couple soldiers with the lightning tempo, and then finally Robin using her s- strangling with the the crutch um, on a couple Marines as well. Everything else that you see is added to the anime. So all of that stuff are interspersed and predominantly towards the end half of, of what's happening in the anime. And most of it actually ends up taking place after Usopp's speech but in the anime, they actually... Oh, no, no, no. I got that mixed up. In in the manga, all of that takes place before the speech, just after the Marines start their attack, 
Whereas in the anime, they push all the canon stuff further back till after Usopp's speech to Luffy. And then speaking of the moment with Yubashiri, that scene is extended a little bit as well. Where in in the manga, you just see you just see that um, Marine Captain or Vice Admiral. I can't remember which one it is, but he just uses his rusting abilities and basically takes out Yubashiri. But then we don't really get to see any more of that in the anime. That fight's a little bit longer, and it gets to a really stupid point, which we'll talk about in in the main section. But about he, he he's somehow able to touch Zoro and start rusting his organic arm, which is dumb, I think. And anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Also, one other change is that the anime actually shows what Sanji is doing uh, when he sneaks off, whereas in the manga, it's left almost a complete surprise. In fact, he kind of it's it's very nondescript when he leaves whereas in the anime they actually sort of focused the camera on his sort of shadowed out face and then he disappears. But in the anime we also get to see him enter this sort of room with this giant lever whereas in the manga that's never present. Anyways, with that, let's get into the thoughts. So this is it, the final spurt of the intense duel between Luchi and Luffy as Luffy puts everything he has into his last go of Gear 2nd, even at the cost of his own body and quite possibly his life. And it is impressive to start as Luffy is able to consistently dodge and counter all of Luchi's attacks for a little bit. And it's pretty cool seeing Luffy for once with the upper hand on Luchi as he gracefully weaves in and out of Luchi's attack and barrage him with a whole host of Gomu Gomu no Jet attacks. But Luchi's not going to go down that easy as he decides to use a technique that supposedly combines the principles of all six Rokushiki techniques into one ultimate attack called Rokuogan or the Six King Gun, which seems to affect Luffy through shockwaves that bypass Luffy's rubber body. And being a very effective way of damaging Luffy, Luffy even comments that it's similar to the impact dials from the Sky Islands, but much more jacked up. And although I don't quite understand how all the Rokushiki techniques actually apply to the Rokuogam, like, I can tell five of the six. So like, Tekkai, Rankyaku, Shigan, Soru, and Geppo, like, I can see how all of those weave into it, but I have no idea how Kamie, the one that allows him to dodge, applies here maybe it's how it sort of is able to aim and shift and follow the attack really well but that's the best i can come up with but yeah i mean i'll take luchi's word for it anyways the stakes get ramped up again with the marines destroying the bridge of hesitation thereby cutting luffy off from everyone else and effectively marooning the others on the final platform giving way for the buster call to surround the straw hats to once again go after robin but as dire of a situation they're in, they notice with Luchi's last Rankyaku attack, it split the wall, allowing them to see inside and see Luffy actually fighting Luchi this time. And we get a really inspirational moment where, as impossible as a the situation they're all in, they all encourage Luffy to beat Luchi and go home. With the knowledge that everyone is alright and that they've successfully rescued Robin and everyone cheering him on, and sort of that sense of relief that Robin is fine, Luffy can finally concentrate completely on the fight, and we see that with a small grin and a slight acknowledging head nod. 
And I like that discrepancy from his normal reaction to indicate that Luffy is actually struggling right now, but also incredibly focused and serious because normally, you know, Luffy would show that sort of that big toothy smile and exaggerated head bounce and almost like that she-she-she kind of like laugh sometimes. But here it's much more reserved as he goes back into his gear second squat. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool how Luffy is just completely concentrating on trying to beat Luchi because of how threatening of an, an opponent Luchi has been so far. Zoro then leads everyone to prepare to defend their position as the epic sort of Arlong Park walk-up song starts playing again. And it's, it's effective in getting us all hype, at least for me it is. However, Sanji just kind of disappears all of a sudden at such a crucial moment. But we all know by now that if Sanji disappears, he's doing some sneaky shit and will pop out at the most impactful moment to save the day somehow. We don't know how yet, but he will. The anime does make a point of showing Sanji's sort of got something on his mind as they do a close-up on his face with his sort of like eyes and face kind of blacked out and shadowed out. But I also feel for Chopper here as he so desperately wants to help, but he can't move a muscle. And it's like, oh, the Marines send all their soldiers after the Strong Hats. And these aren't just normal cannon fodder either. These are mostly officer class soldiers. And then we are then treated to a barrage of attacks. This part is a little unbelievable. I mean, they're all able to hold off a bunch of like officer level Marines without any casualties like it's unbelievable that they don't just immediately overwhelm the straw hats with just numbers alone let alone some of them have devil fruit powers as well as we'll see in a little bit it is you know it is what it is and in the manga i will say this issue is a little less glaring because it's it seems far shorter and it seems like they just have to hold out for a little bit while the anime it makes it seem really drawn out and they're fighting for like a long time and it becomes less and less believable that they'd be able to hold out against this many soldiers, particularly like Nami and to a certain extent Usopp as well and even Frankie, to be honest. Like, yeah, Frankie is invulnerable from the front, but I mean, most of the time you see him surrounded. So like his back is completely exposed. So again, this is a, a, a nitpick for sure. But yeah, it does seem a little like my suspension of disbelief is pretty wide. But even here, to me, it's just like, really, can they actually survive something like this? But obviously it's for for the story's sake. So can't really fold it too much. Another thing I wanted to mention was when we go back to seeing Luffy and Luchi trading attacks, Luchi is just raining down like a billion Nankyaku attacks and moving all over the place really quickly. Yet he's talking to Luffy as if he's standing still. Now, obviously, the actor is standing still in a studio. But, like, there's no sense that he's doing anything that's uh, that's taking a lot of energy. Or, you know, he's not talking, like, labored or breathing really hard. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like, if I was talking and kicking over and over really hard while trying to move really fast i'd at least be like ah, come on you know like like grunting and breathing hard every now and then <laughs> but luchi's sort of like giving this like very calm monologue and it's just really weird and i know it's a nitpick but i feel like the director could have at least had them add a little bit at least because mayumi tanaka 
does that when he when when she does Luffy's voice, and and it it really does sell like how how much struggle it is for Luffy fighting Luchi. But anyways, despite Luffy's best efforts, he takes another brutal and devastating Rokugan to the gut, which really hits Luffy hard as he collapses to the ground for the first time, completely exhausted and hurt. Usopp, seeing this, rushes over for the first time since their duel back on Water 7, he actually removes his mask in front of Luffy and drops the Sogeking persona to call out to Luffy as Usopp. And I love that added touch of Zoro sort of going to defend him while he does this and starts to call him Sogeking but cuts himself off as he sees Usopp's taken off the mask. And this moment right here is another amazing moment for the NES lobby arc and Usopp as a character. Like, I absolutely love this moment. As Usopp screams out to Luffy, yelling at him, What the hell are you doing? And Luffy is down, all bloodied and exhausted. And Usopp screams at him to get up. And it's genuinely tear-jerking to hear Luffy struggling to voice his surprise that Usopp was there with them. Although, obviously, he still hasn't put it together that Sogi King and Usopp are one and the same. Usopp being sort of the prideful idiot still, he has to, to make it known that he didn't come here for Luffy's sake, but he, but for Robin's sake, and that Luffy had no play in terms of the, the decision to come and help. And like I've mentioned, this entire time when it really counts, Usopp can muster an incredible amount of courage whenever his nakama are in trouble, to the point where he goads Luchi into attacking him to draw him away from Luffy so that he can buy some time for Luffy to regain his strength a little bit. In the guise of antagonizing Luffy, he gives him a rousing speech to get up one more time and finish the fight. And that speech, too, like, like about how they can still see the sky and the sea, so this possibly can't be hell, is so awesome. Like, I love that speech. It's so poetic, too. I mean, obviously... You know, Usopp is a, is a wizard with words, but even his sort of like rousing speeches are really, really well done. At this point, I don't know how you can still not like Usopp after seeing what kind of a man he is and, and what he's done in this entire saga so far. He's shown that he's not weak or a coward or useless. Usopp is an amazing character and vital to the Straw Hats. While it's been highlighted quite a bit in Water 7 and NES Lobby, Usopp has always been been this you know right from the very beginning it's just now we get to see it on a larger scale and i freaking love it and i think for a lot of fans by this point yeah they've kind of come around to usopp and if you haven't by now you just kind of like don't like usopp as a character because for whatever reason and so i mean that's fine if you don't like usopp but it's i find it hard to believe someone who see who's been invested in one piece up to this point not come around to Usopp by this point. But anyways, we'll move on. Now, just as Luchi is fed up with Usopp and starts towards him, we get revealed in a cool shot of the camera sort of on Luchi and then shifting over to reveal that Luffy is back up on his feet right behind him and ready for another round. And when Usopp screams to Luffy, beat him and let's go home together, Luffy's response back is stuff of legend. That scream back of Atarimaida or of course like is so incredible. 
And although I feel like, of course, just doesn't quite do it justice, but you know, I'm not sure what else it could have been translated to be, honestly. Something more like, hell yeah, or something, but that even doesn't quite match either. But in any case, Mayumi Tanaka is the GOAT in this episode, along with Kape Yamaguchi. But man, Mayumi really freaking brings it in this episode, and I still get chills. And, and I'm so hyped every time I hear Luffy scream that, Atarimaida! And there's just so much force, passion, and determination in that scream. And it's hard to believe it's coming out of this tiny lady in her 50s. <laughs> and shout out to the musical score here, which also really elevates this amazing moment. And I believe this track is taken from the, uh, I think it's the eighth movie, the episode of Alabasta, or Ar- Arabasta. The, the movie version of the whole events of the, um, the Arabasta arc. But yeah, this moment is just a hundred times better in the anime than it is in the manga. Uh, this is one of those cases where, yeah, the anime really brings it. Now that Luffy is up, he epically pledges that he won't fall again until Luchi is defeated. While Luchi unleashes his muscular form again by releasing the same Ekikan. And before we get to the conclusion to the fight, we see the Straw Hats have to deal with more of the Marine soldiers as it starts to get more intense as Devil Fruit users within the Marines start to appear with the random Berry, Berry no Mi guy and, uh, you know, take on Frankie as well as Yubashiri getting destroyed by this other Marine officer with the Sabi Sabi no Mi or the Rust Rust Fruit. And Sabi just means rust. Uh, and this is pretty insane as one of Zoro's named swords just got destroyed. Like, it's kind of lost in all the chaos here, but that's a pretty significant thing. Like, seriously, this is a big deal, and it sort of has to take a huge backseat amongst all the other insane things happening around. And we haven't seen Zoro lose a sword since he lost his two black unnamed ones to Mihawk in his duel back all the way in, in episode 19 in the Burati arc. But this is a little different, as this is a named sword that's had some significance up till now, especially the way he got it. And now it's just gone. And I remember thinking, what's going to happen? Like, how's he going to get a new sword? Like, does he have to get a new sword? Is Yubashiri actually gone? And all those questions were running through my head at the moment. But for now, we don't know. And Zoro will have, basically has to pick up random swords from the marines that he's taken out to, in order to continue fighting. Although before we can even think about that, the anime does the dumbest thing ever in terms of filler by expanding this scene in the anime, having the Sabi Sabi guy grab Zoro's arm and he can apparently just rust Zoro's like organic arm now? Like, seriously, this makes no sense whatsoever. And I can't even begin to tell you how stupid this anime edition is. I, to this day, laugh so hard when I see that. It's just out of the sheer ridiculousness of who thought of this and, and why it just seems really weird anyways thankfully before you can even really sit there too long and think about the stupidity of, of what we just saw we get back to luffy and he's doing his best to avoid luchi's onslaught luchi goes in for another rokugan but luffy's ready this time and reacts in time to avoid it but luchi is unfortunately one step ahead yet again as he grabs Luffy with his tail this time, which is pretty ingenious, you know, of a way to utilize his devil fruit. And Luffy is hit with his ultimate radius, Rokuogan. 
absolutely wrecking Luffy from the inside. And this looks brutal. You'd think Luffy's going to go down after a hit like this. But Luffy doesn't. He won't go down this time. And then the music starts to play as this immensely frustrated Luchi looks back at Luffy. Now with this sort of intense glare staring right back at him. As we get a montage of all the pivotal moments of this arc start to play with this sort of eerie string music that begins to play almost to signify and represent that something kind of snaps in Luffy that he's about to take it to a whole other level that we've never seen himself pushed in order to protect everything he holds dear in his life. As he starts to prep for a new Gear Second version of a move we've yet to see, and it's ridiculously intimidating to see Luffy kind of like all rigid and flexing his entire body as he begins to sort of rapidly punch the air in front of him. And you can not only see but feel the abject terror in Luchi's eyes as the camera like zooms in on him. And he essentially panic tech guys himself in a last ditch effort of self-preservation, kind of bracing himself for the devastation he knows is about to befall him. Then we see the slow motion of all the fists slowly connecting with Luchi's body. And I love the sound design of like, like each one hitting and landing in Luchi's body. And Luffy, we see, finally unleash the Gomu Gomu no Jet Gatling. And he just fucking pelts Luchi with a nonstop barrage of punches that we can't even see. All we see is Luchi's body just battered up against the wall with Luffy giving it every last bit of strength and willpower, throwing everything he has at this last attack. Very reminiscent of Gomu Gomu no Storm against Crocodile. However, one thing about this moment that will always stand out in my head about this attack and this moment is that final scream that Luffy just lets loose before he finally breaks the wall, sending Luchi crashing through and it's just incredible. Like, between Mayumi Tanaka giving her all and sort of the the reverb effect that they give this last scream, that when he's, like, punching, is like, and he's just, like, scream. That final scream is so amazing. Combined with how they animate Luffy, this all works to give this incredible force and visceral energy. Like, you feel that raw power and the amount of effort that Luffy has been giving and that he's giving everything and more to make sure that Luffy goes down with this final attack because there's nothing else after this. And there's just something so amazing about this scene and the way they chose to direct it. It's done perfectly in my opinion. It's hard for me to decide which finisher I like between Luchi and Crocodile. I think Gomu Gomu no Storm was much more theatrical with the the, the music from Dvorak and sort of the emotions surrounding it, they they were definitely more heightened with the ties to Vivi and her struggles. But I think the attack itself and the performance, the voice acting performance and the and sort of the just the raw power of it, I think Gomu Gomu Jack Gatling is just amazing. And I know that's not really an answer as to which one I like better, because to me, they're pretty much on equal footing, I think. I think overall, as a villain and as a as a fight and sort of the thematic um characteristics of the two between the two fights i still think i like crocodile and i like the 
overall fight between Crocodile and Luffy more so than I do with Luchi, but this comes in at an incredibly close second. One one kind of funny personal note, though. So when I first read this moment in the manga, I had envisioned this attack completely differently because it's the way the way it's drawn in the manga. It's not quite as obvious. At least it wasn't to me, and to me it was a little less drawn out. So it, to me, I had envisioned it more like sort of an explosive instant attack. Like it's just like boom, 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 boom and it's over. And just sort of this like explosive burst of punches like really quickly rather than sort of the repeated pounding that's depicted in the anime. When I went back and read the manga, I was like, oh, okay, I, I can see how it, that's what it was supposed to be meant for. But the the panels where you see him like repeatedly punching are much smaller. And I just I guess I just kind of like skipped over that. And so I only saw the big two-page spread of Luffy landing all those punches. And you see that shot of, of behind Luffy and Luffy punching Luchi into the wall. And so I saw that, and I kind of like skipped over all the little things. And so to me, it and when I saw this moment for the first time in the anime, I was pleasantly surprised that I got to basically enjoy this all over again as if I was seeing it brand new because the move was completely different in my head when I read it in the manga. So that's kind of an embarrassing but cool story. But yeah, with that though, Luffy's done it. He's beat Luchi and declares that they're all going home with Robin. And here we finally get the classic trademark Luffy smile. And it's so sweet to see Robin tear up with joy for once. Of course, it would be his best friend Usopp to be the one to announce that Luffy is victorious, even though right now they're technically still not friends. But I mean, after what we've seen here, both of them still care very much about each other. And it's only a matter of time that Usopp returns. And something that's always, you know, interesting to me is that despite Crocodile being a Logia Fruit user and Luchi being a zone type, because of how Luchi's written and portrayed as this sort of like sadistic near unstoppable force, it seemed far more intimidating and much bigger of an obstacle to overcome, especially since Oda portrayed Luchi as pretty much being this unbending, almost like Terminator-like figure and had the upper hand pretty much right up until the very end. And the relief felt after this victory seemed much greater compared to the one with Crocodile. Because with Crocodile, yeah, Luffy was on the back foot, but Crocodile's main advantage was already broken with the use of the water slash blood. And he was starting to mentally falter as well as he continually started to lose focus with his frustration at fighting Luffy. So you could clearly see the tide shifting in Luffy's favor slowly throughout the fight with Crocodile. Whereas with Luchi, you know, he was just the one beating down Luffy one after another. And Luffy losing more and more of a chance until something just changed the tide. And Luffy just sort of decided to go for it and lay it all on the line. And so it just flipped on that one moment. And so I think in terms of like the build up to... Gomu Gomu no Jet Gatling was also a little bit better in the way it was executed. But honestly, like I said, Gomu Gomu no Storm was also just amazing because I think on a more thematic and story level, it tied so well to what was happening with Vivi and the emotion that was attached to it was much greater. And so you felt that when Crocodile was busted up through the ground. 
I mean, yeah, you feel that too here with Lucci as well. But for me, Lucci served more as just an obstacle, more so than an actual, I guess, uh, a thematic antagonist. But yeah, with the fight over, there's a mini celebration. And as we get to hear over the PA system that Zambai and the rest of the Frankie, Frankie family, the Galila guys, and the Giants are all still alive, just as we predicted, as Pauly uses ropes to catch them all. And the Giants basically took the brunt of the attack, which, I mean, amazing. But yeah, so yeah, we basically get a happy ending there. However, during this, Usopp gets freaked out that he's hearing voices. And you think he's reacting to hearing all the Frankie family and the Galila people over the Dendemushi and the PA system. But, you know, he knows who these people are and what they sound like. So why would he be freaking out about this? And of course... We'll learn by the end of the episode what this is. And as happy as this celebratory moment is, they're not out of the woods yet, as Luffy is so exhausted and wounded, he can't move and is stuck on the other tower, as Usopp is desperately trying to get Luffy to somehow get himself over to the other side. And this moment is so intense, as Nami decides that, you know what, they're going to have to go and pick him up and orders everyone to get on an escape ship. But just then, the Marines decide to fire upon the ship, sinking it, getting rid of their only method of escape, making this situation a completely dire one. And I don't know that the stakes and tension have ever been higher. Because, like, you watch this, and, and I, I don't know how you can read or watch this episode without being on the edge of your seat and gripping your chair. Because... It's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty dire situation that we've never really seen the Straw Hats in. Luckily, Sanji does show back up just in the nick of time to save everyone who was on the boat, like Kokoro, Chimney, Gombe, and Chopper, after doing whatever he was. And they eventually all get cornered into one pillar and surrounded with no way out. And this, this is it. There's nowhere to go with no way out. You seriously don't know how they're getting out of this. Like, I genuinely had no idea what was going to happen, which made reading this for the first time all the more incredible and the surprise reveal all that much more emotionally impactful. Like usually in shonen anime stories like this, you knew generally what was going to happen based on past tropes and cliches of the genre. But this one, I seriously didn't know what they were going to do to get out because Oda had sort of painted them all into such an unwinnable corner. You honestly couldn't see a realistic way they were getting out of this but Oda somehow managed to resolve all of this in the most perfect and insane way possible without making it feel like a cheap deus ex machina or like a cop-out but I'm getting a little ahead of myself anyways Usopp and everyone is still desperately trying to convince Luffy to do anything he possibly can to get up and get himself over and I like that he also addresses that Robin can't just use her powers to get him across as it's too far and she'll just end up dropping him before she can even get him over. Because that's originally what came across my mind and probably a lot of people. It's like, why couldn't Robin just go and get him? But that's obviously not possible. And things are at their worst and most hopeless as then we hear that weird wailing and screeching noise we heard earlier on the Tower of Law and like we surmise, that was something else entirely that Usopp was reacting to and not the explosion or the other people's voices. Usopp has genuinely been hearing something else altogether that he doesn't know where it's coming from. Almost something supernatural. 
then surprisingly, Luffy can not only hear it, but he understands it as the mystery voice is telling him to look down below. And even at this point, I still had no idea what was coming. All I can say is I was not prepared for this at all, both from a mental and emotional standpoint. This is about to become truly one of the best and most memorable and special moments in the entire series. Pretty soon, all the Straw Hats and just the Straw Hats begin to hear it as well. Then when it goes in on a close-up of Usopp's crying face, it starts to kind of dawn on you. But then you're thinking, how is that possible? At this point, I'm full-on crying every time, and especially the first time, as they all decide that they need to jump down into the ocean with this hopeful and triumphant music playing in the background as they all happily and excitedly jump. But we still don't know what they're jumping towards. But at this point, I think, at least I knew, and I think we all know who's waiting for them. And when they start speaking to them in this sort of reassuring and pure voice saying, let's go home, everyone. I mean... I'm a mess at this point, like bawling my eyes out because you can't believe this is happening and the significance of them being the one to save them in their most dire of situation and need. As they all slowly descend, it slowly reveals that it's the going Mary. Mary has come to save them, just as Usopp said. They still had one more nakama they could depend on. And they came to save their own Nakama. I mean, how can you not be romantic about that? We thought that Mary was gone after the CP9 left it to die on the coast of Water 7, especially after the Aqua Laguna hit the coast. Not only that, but the Mary had an actual consciousness and a will of its own, just like the other Straw Hats. It must have somehow fought like hell to save their nakama that it holds so dear. I honestly teared up writing this part of the script, and I'm t- I'm kind of tearing up now talking about it. If I mean, if that doesn't do it, Luffy's like all joyful scream of "Mary!" to fully reveal itself, and the comforting smile of the goat figurehead as it says, "I came to get you, or mukainikteyo." It's just so damn incredible and so sweet. Like, I seriously don't know how you can top this moment of, like, euphoric satisfaction and just overall pure joy. Like, it's saying something when you just experience one of the most epically badass endings to a main boss fight, and that's just an afterthought compared to the emotions attached to this moment. It just really shows you that when it comes to the stories and characters, and emotional investments, those are the keys to a good story. You can have all the badass fights and cool visuals you want, but you know what makes a story like One Piece stand the test of time? It's moments like these, like the investment we have in the story and its characters, and the build-up. I mean, it's just, you know, what's even more incredible about this moment is that Oda's made us this connected to a damn boat, I mean, think about that for a second. He built up his world and characters so well that we had an incredibly strong emotional reaction to the return of a boat that up until now hasn't even spoken a word and given only like a tiny hint that it might be sentient. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I love it. And 
I absolutely love One Piece because of these moments. This moment is just on another level in terms of like special. It's still one of my favorite moments to rewatch because of how happy and relieved you are. And it, it pays something off that's been building off so for so long. I mean, when you think about it, this has been building basically since before Skypea. And with the hints that, yeah, the Mary is damaged. And the whole thing with the Club Outer Man and the legend of that. And, and the fact that, yeah, they've been all worried about the Mary. And then when the Mary disappears, you kind of forget about the Mary because of how intense everything else with Robin has been. And then just when you needed Mary the most, it shows up. It's here. It is one of the Straw Hats. It is one of the Nakama. And I love that Mary is here to save them. It's just, yeah, this, this moment is amazing, to be honest. You, it, it's just ridiculously cool. Um, between, yeah, Luchi being defeated by Gomu Gomu no Jet Gatling, that's an awesome moment, for sure. And it's, it's also another one of those epic One Piece moments. But the Mary... Coming to save everyone beats it by a mile, in my opinion. Like, that moment will stick in my mind forever. And it has. I still remember when I first read this moment. It was just so damn cool. But anyways, oh boy, what a conclusion to an episode. But unfortunately, we'll have to wait till the next podcast to see the remainder of what happens. And yeah, I'm looking forward, but also kind of dreading talking about the next set of episodes but it's one of the best moments in One Piece. And yeah, I am looking forward to it. But yeah, like I said, also kind of dreading it as well. Um, but yeah, anyways, that'll bring this podcast to a close. If you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to come join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes or... If you wanted to leave me a review on one of your favorite podcasting platforms, that would be greatly appreciated as well. As always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. Stay safe out there. No spoiler sections this week. I think I think I'll save that maybe for next week. But yeah, I hope to see you on the next episode. Bye.